Henry, we're going to miss you and BG for this next month, but uh, I don't know if the same could be said about you and BG missing us. You'll be off exploring and enjoying a well-deserved trip. Thank you so much. It is a new beginning at First Baptist Church. So many positive things are happening, and I am so inspired by your participation. Thank you, First Baptist Church, for continuing to make this new beginning so unique and beautiful. Not only that things are happening here in this church corporately, but individually we celebrate that in Jesus Christ we are all new creation. And if you've missed any of the services or sermons, I ask you to go to our website, www.fbcc.us, and see those services that you have missed. For each has something important to do with where we are and who we are as a people of God. Given that the sermon is about fishing, I've quite enjoyed my preparation this week. I am one who loves to fish. No, you won't find me in a deer stand early on any autumn morning. I don't get too excited for that. The idea of having to sit still in the cold while just being barely able to whisper to your neighbor is not very fun. But if you invite me to go fishing, I will be there at any time of the day. You you see, I grew up fishing from an early age. My family has a home at Lake Watery, South Carolina. It's a place where I have spent time abounding with my family, with my friends, and made memories, so many of which have dealt with fishing, fishing trips, fish fries, and of course, this which is to be understood, fishing stories. I know some of you probably got a fishing story or two out there, don't you? Here's one thing that I've learned about a good fishing story. It's always about what you caught. Not so much about the one that got away. It's about that bad boy that's now stuffed and mounted over your fireplace. And you can tell it over and over again, perhaps embellishing a few details about how you lay it into one and you were able to bring it up and land it and make sure that the family had fish for supper that night. I love a good fishing story. But we hear this so many times that oftentimes we think that fishing is all about catching. And that's not true, is it? If you fish long enough, you realize that, well, far more often than not, you go out with less than superlative results. And oftentimes you come back with nothing. You're the same fisherman, mind you. It's the same body of water. You've got the same fishing pole and the same bait, but you're rendered helpless. Strange how that works. But from these highs and lows of fishing, I've deduced the following maxim about fishing. Fishing is all about what bait you use and where you cast your line. It's a maxim because not only does it apply to fishing, well, it also applies to life. Success will always depend upon what bait you use and where you cast your line, whether that's relationships or job or fill in the blank. It comes down to the point where we have a strategy to employ. It will either be a strategy based upon chance 
which oftentimes leads to great uncertainty and therefore anxiety, or we can employ the services of a guide, someone who knows more than us, who can tell us what bait to use and where to cast your line. And it's the God, far more often than not, that will be the difference between us fishing and us catching. So many of us today don't realize this, but it is in fact Jesus Christ who wants to be a guide for our lives. He wants to be the person that tells you what bait to use and where to cast your line, but it's at that point that we begin to get a little uneasy. After all, Jesus was a carpenter. He was someone that lived in the ancient times, 2,000 years ago. Sure, he was a teacher then, but what would Jesus have to say to you and me in the here and now? Well, far more than we might realize, far more than Simon Peter realized, as soon as he realized that it was time to Let go and let God. Simon Peter is an interesting case study. He is the equivalent of a blue-collar guy working night shift. He was a fisherman not by choice. Let's forget any notion of vocational passion. It was something that was handed down from him. His daddy was a fisherman, his granddaddy was a fisherman, and most likely his granddaddy's granddaddy was a fisherman. It was a means to an end in that he had to fish in order to live. But boy, wasn't it a hard knock life. You had to pay in that time even for the right to fish in the Sea of Galilee, which was nothing more than a large fresh body of water. And then you had to make the upfront expenses of nets and boats. And then you had to pay exorbitant tax rates to those who were in power in that time. While you were in the hole before you even set foot on the boat and cast yourself into the water. And to not catch anything meant far more than just not having a paycheck. It meant that you would go home and look into the long faces of your wife and children and tell them there was nothing for supper that night. I'm sure it was in this moment in the scripture that Simon Peter was in somewhat of a bad mood, having stayed up all night working hours on end, but without result, he was there cleaning the nets probably saying a few choice words, but maybe even singing a little bit of a reiteration of a song that you've heard a time or two on the country western station. It goes like this. Mamas, don't let your babies grow up to be fishermen. Don't let them pick guitars and drive in old trucks. Let them be doctors and lawyers and such. Oh, how I bet Simon Peter was looking to the heavens and saying, why, God? You see, Simon Peter was a person who was fishing but not catching, not only in his profession, but moreover in his life. He was frustrated. He wondered why. He needed a guide 
and he didn't even realize it. And then there came this guy named Jesus who just apparently plunked down right in his boat. And with that, there was an invitation for Simon Peter to let go and let God. Simon Peter does, but it beckons the question of why? Why would Simon Peter, a self-made man, let go and let God? And why would you and I do the same? Could it be that the guide services of Jesus are in fact something so life-changing, so life-giving that in our human hearts, though we have various defenses, ultimately they are rendered useless because the wisdom of Jesus gives us a new beginning without comparison. For Simon Peter, I think it let Jesus start in his life because Jesus was able to just be let in to Simon Peter's life. After all, what was a boat to a first century fisherman than his own life? Without a boat, Simon Peter was not only not a fisherman, he was a nobody. He spent more time in that boat working night shift than he did in the bed in his own house. I'm sure the boat even had a name, just like in Forrest Gump when he named all the fleet of Bubba Gump Shrimp Company, Jenny. Oh yes, Simon Peter loved that boat and to let Jesus not only sit in his boat, but then make it a makeshift pulpit was something extraordinary indeed. Jesus and Simon Peter, scholars believe, may have known each other before that, Jesus making the lecture circuit around the shore of the Sea of Galilee, and as he was revealed to be the master teacher that he was, his profile was on the ascent. The crowds began to grow larger and larger, so much so one day that he had to get in this boat for distance, but also greater visibility. I imagine that when he's teaching from Simon Peter's boat, Simon Peter is right there with him, just kind of looking up and listening and wondering, could this be, in fact, the Son of God? Could this be the Messiah that I heard about all of those times in synagogue? Is Jesus really who he says he is? Can I let go and let God in the flesh into my life. That, my friends, is where all of us start when we let go and let God enter into our lives. It begins just by the simple act of listening to Jesus. This is why I've asked and will continue to ask that you always bring your Bible to church that you are actively involved in a small group Bible study, and most importantly, that you as a disciple of Christ are reading your Bible 15 minutes a day, beginning with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. As surely as you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. You will begin to listen to the voice of God, and you'll be able to let go and let him begin to lead your life. Not only do we let go and let God enter our life, eventually we let go and let God give instruction 
to our life. I know here in this congregation, there are various professions represented. I would have no business going down and telling you how to run a law office or a medical office of or a classroom, but Jesus had the gall to look at a professional fisherman and say, hey, I know you haven't caught anything all night, but cast those nets on the other side into the deep water. I'm going to tell you right now, something big and bold is about to happen. I imagine in Simon Peter, there was an internal retort. Who does this guy think he is? Isn't he just from Nazareth? And isn't he just a part-time carpenter and a sometime teacher? What business does he have telling me how to fish? I don't know if it was from exasperation or just to shut Jesus up, but lo and behold, he does it, throwing the nets into the deep water. And then out from the depths comes an amazing catch. Simon Peter proclaims, Lord, I am a sinful man. I think in as much Simon Peter is saying, yes, Jesus, there are some things I know about fishing, but moreover, there are a lot of things I don't know yet about life. Jesus, I need you as a guide. I think all of us need to get to that point in order to receive the instruction of Jesus Nobody can be a know-it-all with Christ. We all have to profess that we have various blind spots and areas in which we have literally no knowledge at all. But as surely as Jesus sees and hears our vulnerabilities, he is willing to cast the nets, not to the depths of the sea, but yes, to the depths of your hearts and your minds. Every single one of us has something that we think is too deep for God, but that's not right. Jesus has a net that will go to the depths of your heart and your mind with his instruction. When you heed it, when you applied it, he brings up from the depths of your soul abundance of life. He, my friends, is that fulfillment of what was written in the proverb in chapter 20, it said, The intentions of a person's heart are deep waters, but one who has insight draws them out. What are your deep waters today? Job? Marriage? Conflict? Turmoil with children or with their raising? Deep waters in which we might say, no, Jesus, too deep for you, but rest assured, this master teacher has nets that will plummet to that depth, not castigating you with blame or judgment, but bringing from the depths with his instruction new life and possibility. Yes, let go. Let God give you and me instruction. And lastly, let go and let God speak the ultimate truth of your worth. Simon Peter was a man that lived a life of limitation. As a fisherman, there were so many glass ceilings which would ultimately serve as blockages to how much impact and power and influence he could have 
in the world. But then Jesus comes along and prefaces this with something that I love. Don't be afraid. In other words, what I'm about to tell you is going to be life-altering, for I am calling you, Simon Peter, and friends to become fishers of men. In the kingdom of God, Jesus is saying that under my tutelage and my instruction, there will never be limitations to the impact, influence, and power that you will be able to exhibit. And wasn't that much true? Simon Peter, following Jesus, participated in miracles, walked on water, was present at the transfiguration of Christ on the mount. Simon Peter, in fact, today is proclaimed the rock on which Christ built his church. Oh, yes, Simon Peter understood his worth through Christ, but he wasn't beyond reproach either. He failed spectacularly and significantly On the night of Jesus' trial and condemnation to die, a cruel death on a cross, Simon Peter said three times, I do not know this man. And when Jesus was placed in a tomb, according to John 21, Simon Peter gave up all hope and returned to the life he knew before. No, not that of a fisher of men, but just a fisherman. Then fishing in the Sea of Galilee with others, he hears the familiar voice of one calling from the shore. Call anything yet? No. Throw your nets on the other side. All right, we'll give it a shot. And up from the depths of the Sea of Galilee, once again came a miraculous catch. Simon Peter, John says, knew instantly, not even able to wait for the other fishermen to row the boat in. He jumps in the water and swims to the shore himself. And there he hears from the words of the resurrected Savior, affirming his worth again. Three times he denied Jesus, but now three times he will hear, Simon Peter, do you love me? Yes, you know I love you. Then feed my sheep. Come back to what your true calling is, Simon Peter. You are a fisher of men. And though you experienced great things in my earthly ministry these past three years, I'm here to tell you, you ain't seen nothing yet. You, my friend, will go on to live a life with limitless impact, power, and influence. So be that which I know you to be. And for so many of us who are quick to disqualify ourselves from the service of God based on some past issue or current struggle, hear me say this, that's not an issue with Jesus. When he looks at you, He sees a fisher of men. 
And he calls you for to be but the fulfillment of what was written in Isaiah. So that when you go out into the nations, people different than yourself, whether it's here in Carrollton or across the globe, they will proclaim how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace who proclaim good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. In other words, how beautiful are the fishers of men. How beautiful it is to behold people who have let Christ into their life. How beautiful it is to behold people who have received his instruction And how beautiful is it to know the people who understand their own worth in the eyes of our Lord and Savior. How beautiful, how beautiful, that as we go to the nations of our globe, we always go as friends, offering them life and life to the full, celebrating all that Christ has done for us and for them. For as surely as he called us to be fishers of men, he so too calls them. As the scripture concluded, Simon, Peter, James, and John, the sons of Zebedee, drop everything and they follow Jesus. In other words, they got it. They let go and let God take hold of their lives to be their source of strength and stay, guidance and wisdom. What will we do today? I know that from the shores of the Sea of Galilee or from the boat itself, Jesus is calling you. No, not with exclamatory shouts. I believe it's a whisper to your heart that softly and tenderly Jesus is calling. He's calling for you and for me. And if we are weak and weary with sin, his call is even more true. As he says, come home. Come home. Let me into your life. Let me give you instruction. Let me speak to your worth. Let me be your God now and forevermore. Come on. Won't you let go and let God? Our hymn of invitation today is none other than hymn number 491. Excuse me. 491. Wherever he leads, I'll go. An opportunity for each and every person here to respond to Jesus' call. Perhaps it's for you to begin a relationship with Jesus. I can tell you how to do that today. Perhaps for some of you, it's just needing prayer. I'm here for that today as well. Or perhaps in this new beginning, you want to make your presence here official by joining our church. However the Lord leads, I invite you to come in this time before us. Would you stand and would you sing?